ever feel like the government continues to usurp more and more control over your daily life? What's the solution? Well, it probably isn't to create even more government. Better Dead Than Red begins now. Welcome back to Better Dead Than Red. I've actually got somebody else with me here today, so I'll let him introduce himself for you. Hey, my name's Kevin Solner, and I'm just here today to talk about my case and everything and some things that are going on. Well, you've been... uh You've been the victim of uh, a little bit of corruption, I would say. So can you tell us about how that all began? It, it began when I was, I was actually incarcerated for like an, an unrelated charge. You know, it was mm-hmm. not drug-related or anything like that. And uh, But, I mean, it actually ended up working out good because, like, it saved my life pretty much, I'd say. Because ha- had I not been incarcerated for... What I would, you know, I uh, probably would have went to jail for like, you know, selling drugs. Right. So, so being incarcerated essentially is a pretty good alibi, it, more yeah, or less. They, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's it's like it kind of just funny how it all worked out too. Like the I just woke up one morning and they were, you know, came and got me to present me with new charges and mm-hmm. like I'm there reading it and the first thing I see is about what he's it's saying about Mount, Matt Markle selling drugs or pretty much something along those lines. And I'm I'm there like, I'm not Matt Markle, you know? Right. So then they're like, oh, no, look at the bottom line. So like the very last sentence, it's it says, Matt Markle says Kevin Solner s- supplied him drugs or something like that. Right. So like that's the only sentence I was in. And then, so, I mean, like, I'm sitting there, like, stri- like freaking out, basically. Like, what the heck? Like, I never even, like, I never even seen meth, you know? Like, Right. So, I'm like, what the heck? So, I'm just, like, reading it and scouring through. And, I, like, I just happened to notice the date of, the like, the first offense that I was charged with. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, I remember that day that that was the day I was booked in jail. Right. So when Miller was on the screen, I told him that, and he, he like, actually hung up and then called <laughs> back, like, 10 minutes later and was like, yeah, you're right. They have you booked in at a certain time. So I was already booked for, like, hours before this supposedly even happened. Right. So, obviously, with it, it made the DA's office look bad. It, it made the task force look bad. It made everybody look bad because... Here was the smoking gun for the thing that we've been saying, we've all been saying for so long about how they just take the word of anybody, you know, especially somebody with, they pick these people that already have all these charges and now they're going to throw you under the bus, you know, and and it's, it's ridiculous, but this was the smoking gun. And I think that that really put a stick up their butt especially with you right because you made them look bad i mean they made themselves look right, bad but I, they blame you, you right know? that's so. I, that's i couldn't believe like it would have took what two seconds i feel like for them to figure out that i was incarcerated I yeah mean, you would think that would be something they would do before they'd actually go through the process of filing charges right be, but but it shows just how poor right. their system of operation is like i almost feel like our citizens are doing the policing right now well and and the the real the part that really gets me about this is you know these are these aren't even the cis they aren't big time drug dealers you know they're based they're junkies 
and they're using them right. because they allow them to use, you know, while they're doing this. So not only do they get out of jail, they get to use drugs, and all they have to do is throw somebody's name out there. And unfortunately, when they made up the story about you, they didn't realize you had about, well, probably the best alibi in the world. So, right, <laughs> I agree. And as I'm also, I was also, I'm, I was told that they're actually paid mm-hmm. f- for when they do these buys. They're actually paid for it yeah it used to be i think they paid them like 20 or 30 bucks a buy i can't remember exactly what it was but still that's just i can't even believe that like well and supposedly the way it works is because they pay them that's because they're in a a paid informant that Mm -hmm. gives them more credibility somehow because if you've seen, there's a lot of cases that, I mean, your case, it was simply on that person's word. Right. There was no task force officer that witnessed anything because nothing happened. But, and it's like, like you said, they have everybody else doing their job for them. And then, you know, Moser can sit there and eat his double cheeseburgers while the CIs go in and, you know, make a fake buy. Or, you know, maybe they hid the drugs in their shoe. Wouldn't be the first time that ever happened. Right. That, that was kind of one of the first things I questioned. Like, how well did they well in my new case actually that Mm -hmm. that's actually not even about you know i'm like they all kind of intermingle in my brain there well and the problem is now you've got you and your mother both have the target on your back so they're they're throwing everything they got and unfortunately for them and fortunately for you they're still not very good at it so so yeah i mean like might as well just talk about what i was going to talk about this new case here and right like so I mean, same same kind of scenario. Like there, like you know, the officer was like he was definitely far enough away that he lost. Like he didn't. He has no clue where the CI ended right. up going. You know. Well, and that's the other thing so too that people don't. I think a lot of people don't understand if this is your first time like hearing about a situation like this. These CIs, they do the buy, but. I mean, anytime you're using any kind of informant, whether it's, you know, federal, state, whatever, the, the enforcement officer is supposed to watch because they testify that the crime happened. Right. Now, the informant, yeah, they do the buy, but you have right. to have the office because the officer is supposed to be the one with the credibility, right. not the informant. The right. informant's just the junkie that, well, they wanted to get out of jail, so they're going to go do these buys, you know. So that's, that's an important distinction to make that I think a lot of people aren't aware of, but... And, and that's the biggest problem with around here is they don't do that. Yeah, like it's completely right. the like CI's the, word. I, I feel like there was, at some point, there was things that were put in place so that this exact scenario doesn't occur. Well, and, you, and you would hope so, like but the, <laughs> like for like how they have marked money, that like that's I think that's got to be number one. Like you can't have marked money, but then not use it for what it's supposed to right. be used for. Like well, so, why it, even? Why even put it in any evidence? Like, why even have it? Well, and it was just like how at the with the the Shepherd case, how they brought out all you know they had the drugs and evidence. Like, so what does that prove? Like, they you know that the CI could have got them from anywhere. So right, it's just. I mean, yeah, like I I have a feeling I know who has their money, but you Mm -hmm. know they didn't care to know. They just blamed me, and that was that. Well, and then the other. You know, like the Stiver case, the guy that got his head blown off in the church parking lot across from my house. Right. They set that up. They basically got that guy killed, but then they had to, you know, run Stiver through the 
through the ringer because oh you know he was this awful guy but it was it was the police that allowed that to happen right across from a park full of little kids playing right. you know it's ridiculous i mean that's i'm pretty sure what happened is they pretty much told him he had to go get the buy money mm-hmm. you know so like that should have never took place well and it it was just stiver was smart because he knew they were trying to set him up so he he came up with you know he stiffed the guy but then the guy had the option of either you come back with the drugs or the money or you're going back to jail so it kind of you know and there was a high speed chase all over all town right. it's like how many other people could have been hurt all because of that you know they wanted to get a one buy for some, it's just so yeah, stupid you know it is so tell me more about mr markle oh so uh yeah, he's someone like I, I I have heard that name before, you know, but someone I've never met in my entire life. Mm-hmm. So, um, so just you know how the, it all took place, where he he said that I, you know, supplied him drugs at two different occasions, and on one of the occasions I was on a porch with a motorcycle helmet, but we know now know I was right. incarcerated. So I mean, yeah, that that might have been a different Kevin, but good work on that DA's office, right? <laughs> and so, like that, that kind of leads me into you know, like we never got any answers as to like what even happened. How like we're still like I think if they could have that could was should have been the least they did is told us like what happened. Well, and they, so they lost the case and basically just stormed out like children, and, and right. then they decided they were going to do everything they could to try and come after you again for something. So yeah, exactly. And then like the fact that Matt Markle, you know, he still was released from prison like it was a su- successful buy. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, did he lie or did they mix it up? Because he hasn't been charged with anything at this point, right? You know, but Pete Weeks has said something that that's that's still under investigation so i'm not really sure what that's about but it's been long enough i i'm pretty sure that he's he lied like they're not doing nothing about it you know yeah they that's the thing is they when they screw up if they were honest people and trying to do the right thing you know air quotes but when they'd screw up not that they'd apologize, but they definitely would not turn it around to be like, well, now we just got to do whatever we can to get this person because we look bad right. by our own actions and choices. Right. Because they, they claim it's all about accountability, but there's never any accountability for them whatsoever. Right. That's, I feel like you, you, I've, you've seen this happen in, in the past where like these, you know, high officials are in somewhere lo- too long. Like they just lose yep. their integrity. I yeah, mean, that that's like, basically Rich Consiglio's whole story. I mean, <laughs> so. I mean, I feel like us 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 as the people would respect these DAs a lot more if we seen them like admit when they were wrong. Like that's it's just how it should well, be. Well, if they would just be. how you can't have where if they're supposed to be the law enforcement, you can't have them where the rules apply to you, but they don't apply to them. Like they're not above the law. Right. They can't just make it up as they go along because if that if that's the if that's what we're doing, then why do we have laws at all? It right. doesn't make Correct. sense. I mean, I I'd like to give an example if if that'd be all right. Yeah, go ahead. So I mean, you know, like kind of like Officer Barton. So mm-hmm. he he's been charged with you know like assault twice on his. I believe it's his ex wife. Right. So, but he he was charged with two summary offenses. Like each time, he got summary offenses for it. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, that's just wrong. If that was any one of us, you know, we would have sat in jail. Right. Well, it's like the Tom Dickey party when they had the three guys involved. I think they got charged with disorderly conduct and somebody got bludgeoned near to death over that. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's another example. So, yeah. Yeah. I just think that's a little unfair, you know how how that was like how uh, the second time especially i could see the first time he's never been in trouble before so right. that was probably his his second chance you know but it like the second time it happened how does that one get dropped to a summary yeah i believe like it, she she had an ambulance called and everything yeah you know so i just if that were me i would have sat in jail yep yeah it's it's unfortunate but it's and I don't know if that's really a, like a Pennsylvania thing because they always talk about the Keystone Cops. Like, I think that's part of it. I think it's just that's the way things have been in Pennsylvania for a really long time. So it's, yeah, it's become like the norm. But yeah. they, yeah, they, they really take advantage of it, though. So mm, They do. <laughs> so we've heard from Kevin, and now we're going to hear from his mother with some of her thoughts and experiences because she's been wrapped up in this a little bit, too. So let's uh, welcome Deb West into the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I wanted to uh, back up to the Matthew Markle uh, situation. Um, Kevin had started telling his experience. Um, I want to add to the technical part of it. Um, In July of 2018, Matthew Markle sold methamphetamines to a confidential informant by his home in Tyrone uh, while police were watching from afar like I said, July 17, 2018, the drug transaction happened around 8.30 in the evening. And during this uh, transaction, it was noted that there was somebody standing on Matthew Markle's front porch in a full shield or full-faced... Motorcycle helmet. Motorcycle helmet, yeah. So fast forward to December of 2018... Kevin had mentioned that he was incarcerated on an unrelated matter that was not drug-related. Just want to throw that out there. In December, it was December 28th, 2018, he was presented with charges that he was the person in the motorcycle helmet and that Matthew Markle named him as his drug supplier. They charged Kevin for two drug supplier charges because Matthew Markle had also sold drugs to a confidential informant in June of 2018. So because somebody was seen in a motorcycle helmet on July 17, 2018, they decided to charge whoever the motorcycle helmet person was for the June transaction as well, even though there was no motorcycle helmet wearing person at that June transaction. So eventually Matt Markle Um, was arrested for that transaction. And I'm going to guess end of August or September of 2018, after he was in arraigned charges and uh, sent obviously to the Blair County prison, he was approached at some point by law enforcement on who this person was in the motorcycle helmet. He throws Kevin's name out there. They don't know each other. They may have heard of each other, but there's no like friendship or acquaintance, there's no connection whatsoever. So we're not sure how he decided to throw Kevin's name out there. We have our own speculation, but we're not 100% sure how that came to be. And like I said, in December, he was presented with these charges. He calls me from the prison and tells me about them. And of course, we quickly realized that the date 
that they are saying this person in a motorcycle helmet uh, was seen was the day that he was already in police custody and also sent to the Blair County prison on this unrelated matter. So I contacted somebody, an anonymous person through Facebook, and they <laughs> actually reached out to the Altoona Mirror, and there happened to be two stories in there. And there was an interview with Pete Weeks, and they also talked to Chris Moser and Janice Freeling, and uh, Pete gave his um, explanation that sometimes drug supplier, you know, that's another thing I want to stress is like drug supplier charges carry more weight with them. That's a longer prison sentence. So if you're a street level dealer and you get caught or whatever, um, you're not going to go, you're not going to get sentenced as much as you would for a drug supplier. And uh, because they were charging him for both of those transactions that Matthew Markle was involved in. So now we're talking double the charges. So um, him being incarcerated, like he said, saved his life, basically. Not that I I, I never thought I would say this, but it's a good thing he was there on this unrelated matter, because as we're talking right now, he would still be in a state prison. Because if he didn't have that as an alibi, and he was just out and about like any anybody else and and charged with these kind of things, he would have to fight those charges. It would cost a lot of money. He would have to take it the whole way to a jury because obviously he's not guilty. And unfortunately, the juries in this county don't understand what reasonable doubt is. They don't understand that the burden of proof is on the prosecution and not on the defendant. So that's a big problem in Blair County. And if somebody's going to pay an attorney and go that far, there's got to be reasonable doubt within that itself, because why would they go that far if they were guilty? Why wouldn't they just end it with a plea deal and do at the least amount of time possible? So, but getting back to this whole thing with the uh, Elton Amir, um, Chris Moser, no comment, not even as much as an apology. <laughs> Does he realize somebody's life could have been destroyed. And, you know, of course, the charges were eventually dropped and we moved along and everything. And we thought, you know, what are the chances that something like this could ever happen again a second time to the same person? Well, apparently it's pretty high in Blair County because here we are again. He's being accused again by a confidential informant who has absolutely no credibility whatsoever. And we've actually been able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is actually innocent this time as well. And that what that leads me to think that this is being done as because we're, we got targets on our back because we, they had a lot of egg on their face with the Matthew Markle situation and, and the whole thing with the Matthew Markle, there was no accountability. He has never been charged for lying to law enforcement. If you go through the unified justice system, you can scroll through all the charges that he's had over the years. There's not one single charge in there that he was charged with lying to a law enforcement. That's called giving false information to law enforcement. So there was no consequence. So this confidential informant involved in the active case that's uh, in in progress now, why wouldn't he do the same thing? Even if you get caught lying, 
when you throw somebody's name out there, it doesn't matter because you're not going to be in trouble for it. You're not going to be charged with anything. Right. Well, and and the big big takeaway that I want everybody to get from this is had Kevin not been in prison, he very easily could have gone to jail over those other charges, but he has that rock-solid alibi. So the question is, how many people has that happened to? Because they didn't have the rock-solid alibi that basically forced... They, they had no option. They had to throw the case out. They had no choice. If they had any choice, they would have pursued it. Not Absolutely. because there was any proof, but that's just what they do. Now they have, like you said, you have the target on your back, and they do that too. They're, they're very petty. You know, it, it's a, they're, they're in charge and you will either submit to them or they will destroy you, whether it's legally, financially, however they can try to do it. And that's what they do over and over again. And cause I've had the target on my back and unfortunately that didn't work out for them, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, it, it's ridiculous and Every there's a lot of people out there who say you know I'll oh, just don't break the law. Well, what the hell do you do when you didn't break the law? But you're because to me personally, if I want to go out and do something illegal, it's easy to get your ducks in a row. But when you get blindsided by a false allegation, what do you do? Exactly. You, you can't. You're not going to have an alibi. You're not going to have this. You're not. And now you got to deal with. You don't even fully know what all they're going to come up with because right. they're making it up as they go along. Exactly. So, and the other problem is too, you never know because of circumstantial evidence. And, you know, they, the way they use these cell phones, like with the star case where they can show, you know, oh, you were in this general area, which doesn't mm-hmm. prove anything. Uh, right. And, and the, like you said, with the juries, I think a lot of them have no idea how any of this works. I mean, there was a, a, a plot on one of the maps they used at the star trial and when, when Donaldson, uh, Starr's attorney, asked them, well, where did this come from? Like, well, the state police told us to put it on there. That was like the, the FBI guy or whatever. That wow. It's just, yeah, they, they told us to put that point on there. So there was no data to support that. But they wanted that on there because it made him look bad. Right. Right. And, you know, so the whole thing with the Matthew Markle thing, the big question is, is that why wasn't he facing any consequences And the ironic thing is, so the second case, he's being accused of selling to a CI from an apartment that was supposedly his residence. Well, it's a fact that it was never his residence. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even know the person that lives in that apartment. And um, we eventually hired a private investigator to unturn some of these information. They interviewed the person that lives there. We have found other things that will actually... Uh, support a defense for Kevin. And um, I I became fully involved from day one. I mean, he's my son. And I know he's not guilty of this, you know, and that's kind of how I got drug into it, because I was, I was staying a several steps ahead of them. And one of the things that Kevin and I talked about whenever he, you know, did his time for the unrelated matter, he was released in February of 2019. One of the things in the conversations that we had were, what if this happened and you weren't incarcerated? I mean, there's a lot of what ifs. So what we did was we put some other things in place that would actually track his location. 
So, and that's something I want to recommend to anyone that's been in the system. If you, even if it's not even drug related, if you've made any mistakes throughout the years, and uh, it could be years ago, or just if your name pops up in the system, you're a target for these people. So you need to have your, your location tracked 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and you need to save that data. Because if you have your location documented like that, then if you get yourself in a, or you end up in a pickle getting accused of something you didn't do, you can say, hell no, I was right here. This is my location. Because they use the same tactic to put you at the crime scene. So you can use that same tactic to keep you out of the crime scene, you know, and there's different platforms that you can do for absolutely free. One is through Facebook. If you go into your settings and go into your location, you can choose three options. Um, track your location never, track your location just while you're using the app, or track your location always. And this is an app that would be downloaded on your cell phone. And if you choose always, whether you're on Facebook or not, it is tracking you everywhere you go. And it is 100% accurate. It will even tell you you're on the move. It'll show which direction you went in, the times you were there. And um, there's another one through Google. If you have a Gmail, Google is tracking your location. You can go into your timeline history and you can see all your locations at any particular day and time. And so those are things that I suggest to anyone. And if you're in a process of fighting your case now, go into these apps and go into this uh, information, get this information, and you need to save it. You need to find your location at the day and time that you're being accused of whatever it is. And that is a defense for you. You, you need to act as your own advocate because I know a lot of attorneys in this area, they do the bare minimum sometimes. And I, you know, I'm not going to say that about all of them, but it just seems like a lot of them do the bare minimum and the prosecution takes advantage of that. You'll pay a public, well, a public defender would defend you. Um, they don't get paid they get paid the same whether they have 10 cases or 300 cases. Well, that's actually another good point to bring up is the public defenders start at $30,000 a year. That's what they make. So, I mean, you, you just got out of law school and you have loans to pay and everything. Mm -hmm. your, your first thing you're going to try to do is find a job somewhere else. Exactly. And I'm not saying it because I know like Jolie Burke, you know, she, she does what she can. I don't even know who all is over there anymore, to be honest. Um, but... Yeah, it, it kind of puts you to disadvantage when now, as far as I'm aware, the new assistant DAs also start at 30,000. Mm -hmm. But Pete Weeks, he's making like 180 grand a year. So there's l a little bit of a, yeah. a disparity there, I guess yeah, you absolutely. could say. <laughs> um, and as far as that's concerned, this second case that's still active. We've more than proven his location, and that wasn't it wasn't good enough. And he actually, P. 
Pete Weeks himself led us to believe that he was going to drop these charges. But the whole time he had no intention of doing that. His intentions was to go through Kevin's records like Verizon records and also Apple iCloud records and whatnot and uh, trying desperately to place him at this apartment in Tyrone. And they failed at it. They couldn't do it because it didn't happen. So I went through this, um, Kevin's attorney, um, we changed attorneys, and he connected us to a private investigator. And the private investigator was able to take Kevin's phone and do a data dump with the SIM cards and, and, and everything, got his location so easily. And also, there are no messages that went on between him and the confidential informant. They don't right. exist because if whoever he was corresponding with claimed to live at this residence, this apartment, and why would Kevin claim to live there? There's things missing from the discovery, and there, uh, his attorney filed a motion to compel because they are withholding evidence that could exonerate Kevin and actually charge the rightful person that actually committed the crime. And they don't want to do that. They know <laughs> this confidential informant is lying. And now that I mentioned this person, I'm not going to say his name because it's an active case and everything. But this guy is a well-known criminal from Tyrone. And uh, just a couple months or a few months before he did his amazing drug buy for the police. Um, he was arrested at a Home Depot Home Depot in Altoona. He was arrested by the Logan Township Police for retail theft. And he lied about his identity. That is in the unified justice system. So he was willing to lie to law enforcement, but he still, they still used him for a confidential informant. Yeah, there, there might be a little issue with credibility there, you would think, but... Right. So he he actually admitted to being under the influence of heroin when he was working for police. So what they're saying is he lied in uh, July of 2019. But in September of 2019, when this drug transaction took place, um, he all of a sudden had this great awakening where he was going to tell the truth and he was going to help the cops find the bad guys. Well, one other thing uh, <laughs> that just came to mind, since you said about using the location trackers and stuff, is that all stuff that you can get on your own, just like download that data and that's all you need for court? Or do you need to like subpoena anything from those companies for it to be, you know, like a solid defense? Well, I think that you can take that data and save it on your own, okay? And... uh but I think in, in anyone's best interest that you should have somebody back up that technical. Right, absolutely. Yeah, So, and that's what we did with this forensic company in Harrisburg. They completely have backed up. And there's some other things that are involving the messages. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but they completely back up that claim as well. Okay. Yeah, so, I was just curious because I know... Anytime it comes to like Facebook, especially if you're trying to get them to give any information, like as far right. as subpoenas goes, it can be very difficult to get them to get hand the stuff over basically. But right. if it, if that's all stuff you can do on your own and that's good, you know, so one of the most bizarre things about this current case is that they never 
asked to look through Kevin's phone. He stood there with his cell phone in his hand right in front of Pete Weeks outside the magistrate's office. And you don't think that would put an idea into his head like, well, maybe we should do a search warrant of Kevin's phone. Well, that almost seems to me that they already knew there was exculpatory evidence on that phone and they didn't want it. Exactly. So they wanted to drag the case out. Because they, they like to do that too. A lot of times you have plenty of evidence that exonerate you essentially and they just try to ignore it or bury it or you know right. try well we you know we won't let that into court because then, then our case is shot so so the witness in this whole thing uh the person the girl that lives actually resides in this apartment she actually is a witness and she her her testimony will exonerate kevin and they actually interviewed her and she told them the exact same thing. That's documented three times. She has not changed her story. And it is documented three times. So the officers went to her place and she told them exactly what, that it was not Kevin Solner, that it was somebody else that did this transaction. They know this. And they left that out of discovery. There's no documentation or anything. So the big problem with, here's the, the thing. I, I looked up in the Unified Justice System and I noticed that they arrested her for something. And I haven't reached out to her because I don't know if that's appropriate or not. But I have, I, I'm, you know, maybe call me a conspiracy theorist, but, or I'm maybe thinking too much on this, but did they do that to shut her up? I, I don't know. Well, the thing when it comes to conspiracies in Blair County, like they're, the government's always conspiring against you, I think, is kind of the... Yeah, <laughs> that's, exactly. That's the way I look at it. And I think everything that's happened to me and everything that's happened to you guys is proof of that. Right. But the the biggest problem with, like, the whole the CI thing and then, like, for example, during my case, they had... I think you know who Randy Feathers is, right? Yes. Well, they had Mr. <laughs> well, first off, there was the Randy meeting, but that that's a whole other topic. But they had him go and interview one of the witnesses for my case to basically see like if they could get anything else out of them. And this all that guy did was call nine one one because he heard the disturbance down the street was essentially, and that's all he could testify to. Right. But I have a feeling Randy probably went over there and was like, oh, well, you sure you don't maybe remember something else, you know? But but then right. the thing is, is if Randy goes over there and he finds something he can use against you or gets that guy to say something, then it'll go on the record. If Randy goes over there and doesn't get anything or get something that might exonerate you, then Randy was just never there. And right. that's a problem. Right. And the other, you know, the other big issue in Blair County is we have, you know, a majority in this county are Republicans, and a lot of them claim to be constitutionalists. But they only want to pick and choose parts of the Constitution that they care about, like for freedom of speech and the Second Amendment and that sort of thing. Yeah, those things are important. I totally agree with that. But when it comes to listening to evidence in a criminal case, um, especially with these confidential informants um, that are criminals themselves, mm -hmm. um, they don't care about any other part of the Constitution. They convict because they always want to please law enforcement. 
Well, that's okay. You can back the blue all you want, but they are human beings. You got to look outside the badge and realize that they are human and they make mistakes. And that's exactly what's happened as, even in the second case. This officer didn't follow, he didn't trace the task force money. He lost sight of the confidential informant. There's no audio, no video. Um, he testified at the preliminary hearing and he admitted in the hearing that he lost sight of the CI he has no idea and can't confirm exactly where the CI went, what apartment he went into. And he chuckled, laughed when he said that. Yeah. Well, because they, how horrible! It, it's a rigged game and they know it. And sometimes I think they kind of get that Freudian slip. That's pretty much what that would have been of, you know, well, yeah, I can't prove anything, but ha, 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 it doesn't matter because yeah. we're still going to, you know, make the case go. So so more about the CI involved in this. Um, he was out on bail from this retail theft. He broke the law three times while he was still out on bail, but never had his bail revoked. So he he was working for police then at, at some point. And so several months later, after he worked for police, he was found in Altoona, slumped over the steering wheel of a vehicle. And he uh, obviously was passed out on heroin. There was uh, heroin packets, drug paraphernalia, and also a a gun. He's a a previous felon, so he's not allowed to have any weapons, be in possession of any any weapons. Right. So... um, that's what he's, he's actually in a state prison for that. So being a confidential informant did not make him a better person. It just enabled him to be even more of a drug addict. Right. Like well, and, and that's, that's the problem too, is they, it kind of creates the two classes of people where you have the informants who they'll do everything in their power, not to file charges against them. Even right. if they obviously have done, like say they start a fight at a bar, they'll charge the victim because well, if they charge the informant, then the informant loses credibility because then they have these charges against them. Exactly. And, and then it's not going to be one case. It's probably going to be several cases that they could possibly lose if they do that. So right. they protect them. So, I mean, it, the whole thing, it, it's such a double standard, creates the two classes of people. And in all honesty, what is it actually doing to make the community better? Nothing. I mean, if you look... I, the war on drugs as a whole has been a disaster. Absolutely. But they've made it an extra special disaster the way they do things here. Because exactly. it's it's so counterproductive the way they do things that they're doing more harm than good. Right. I don't think they're doing any good. Absolutely. One of the things that bothers me the most is that all of these local precincts like Altoona, Holidaysburg, Tyrone, uh, I don't know if Bellwood does or any of the others in Blair County. Those are just the ones that pop into my mind. But they all post this stuff on Facebook. They all have their own Facebook page now. So any arrests that they make, they put they blast these people on Facebook. So even the Altoona Police Department does a blogger from the month before. So they throw people's names out there again. Mm-hmm. So look at the people that are replying to this stuff. They're saying way to go APD way to go Tyrone PD way to keep us safe. Thank you for looking out for us without they're already convicting these people right out in the open on Facebook, right on social media. So Shouldn't they be excluded from being picked for a jury? Well, the other thing is, too, I mean, like you said, when the the police do this, 
and they're supposed to be doing this great job of protecting us. But at the same time, it's like they're letting these CIs, who a lot of them really should be in jail. Absolutely. Because you could certainly make an argument that they're a danger to the public. They are. So they're letting them out to play this little game. Right. So how is that enhancing public safety? It doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. And people don't realize what actually really goes on that these confidential informants are not trained professionals. These are people that got caught up in a drug crime, and because they don't want to face the consequences, they agree to be a CI. In the Shepard case, the CI called Chris Moser from the prison. Yeah, that that's... I've, I don't know if I've ever actually heard of that before happening, but that was pretty crazy where you have someone who's right. like, hey, I'll wrap people out if you let me out of jail. Exactly. And then she goes and the guy she's sleeping with is the guy she's saying is selling her drugs. So right. it's like, how hard is it to, if you're a woman, how hard is it to manipulate a man in that position? You know what I mean? Exactly. So. So in Kevin's case, you know, the day that, you know, he was arrested September 9th, 2020, on a charge that was from the year before, September 20th, 2019. So here's a case that sat around for damn near a year, and all of a sudden they want to charge him for it. And like, so over that year's time, did they not do any investigation as to what if the CI was telling the truth or not? And we have foolproof facts that these are not anything that's been altered. I got to throw that out there. Um, these are hardcore facts uh, that he was not at a drug sale at Sylvan Acres on the other side of town from where he lives. He never left his house that day. And we have absolute proof that that's the truth. And also we have a forensics company and a private investigator that can back all that up. So they came after me over these uh, times on cat pictures, which what they, in my opinion, I, I, they, I made myself a target, which is not fair for them to treat me that way. Their mission should have been going to the CI and say, look, dude, we know you're lying. You got five minutes to tell us who really sold you the meth. And so we can actually charge the right person. And the person that did sell it, I know who he is. He he's on meth. He's on something. And that and that's my opinion. I you know, I can't sit here and say I've seen I've seen him do drugs, but he walks in town talking to himself. He's on something. So there's the answer to your question. Is this helping anybody? No. Well, and if that's the thing, isn't it? If they know what they're doing, they're working with somebody who's dishonest. Then it's not about you know the the public safety. It's about that we're just going after the people we're going after, exactly. and especially the people that already have a target on their back. What because they expect to be you know treated fairly or whatever, right? Or called them out on their bullshit in the past. Exactly. You know, if you don't want called out on your bullshit, then don't do your bullshit. I think that's pretty simple. Right, and it, you know, I'll be honest with you, that really did prompt me to run for commissioner because I wanted to get into you know involved in it completely and it actually was just to get me known to the public and get some name recognition i knew that i was not gonna be elected but well, I, you didn't I, have that 80 grand in dark money like some people did so, <laughs> exactly you know. exactly 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. And and, and sadly, that makes all the difference. Even in the local elections, yep. it makes all the difference. Right, because people don't research their candidates. They don't look into what they s- support. So, you know, I'm a Republican, but I'm more moderate Republican, and I think I lean more towards libertarian, but since we don't have an open primary, I just kind of, and 90% of the people in Blair County are Republican, so what choice do we have is to run as a Republican and take your chances that way? Well, and that's that's what bothers me, too, because, like, the election the other week, really, it was already decided in the primary. Right, and, and exactly. It's, you know, that shouldn't be the way it is, and I encourage people to go. You know, do your write-ins. Don't just vote straight party because then you're voting for people like Robin Patton. And she has no business being where she is. But she's worked at the courthouse all her life and has a lot of friends. So, you know, you can do stuff like send money to your daughter when she's a fugitive and still get elected. Exactly. I remember when I was at one of the last debates and she was in the audience. And every time I was asked a question or spoke, she would roll her eyes and like throw her hands in the air at everything I said. So I I approached her afterwards and I said to her, you know, I feel really bad about what's going on with your daughter. I, that can't be easy. I said, I'm going to pray for your daughter. And so I could have been a jerk and said, you know, why did you do that to me or whatever? So, and I think she kind of mellowed out then with me. She'll speak to me and say hello to me. But I, I, I mean, my heart sunk when she did that. Why would you do that to your fellow Republican, somebody that's part of your party? And same with Pete Weeks. You know, I was at one of the first things um, when I announced that I was running and I was getting my petition signed. It was at the um, convention center. He came right over to me and introduced himself to me, gave me his cell phone number, told me to call him and we could talk about this whole thing with Kevin. I never did call him. I just didn't think it was appropriate as I was running for commissioner. I didn't know what ramifications would, would happen. Right. And I never ran for a political position before. So, and, and here's the other thing. I think this whole case now and them targeting me over these cat pictures, uh, they knew I was going to run for borough council and I know how to campaign. I know how to get elected. So, um, I know what to do. I have experience now. So I very well could have ended up on that borough council. Well, I know that uh, that speech you gave, I think, at the last debate. Yes. Or whatever, that, that was a mic dropper, and I think that irritated the establishment. But I enjoyed that because... That was probably one of the best speeches. <laughs> I was nervous, but I thought, you know, what do I have to lose? And, you know, I, you know whether I was elected or not for commissioner... Um, I was told by someone, you know, you don't have to be a politician to get your voice out there and, and show what's wrong with the uh, county and in the communities and within Blair County and stuff. You can get your voice out there. You have a voice, social media, you have all these tools there for you. Get the word out there. And the biggest word that I want to get out there is you have to be, you have to understand what it is to be a juror. Like you have to listen to both sides of the case. If there's any doubt in your mind, you can't convict somebody. Well, exactly. And the other thing is too, when you're on a jury, somebody else's life is in your hands, essentially. Absolutely. And if you treated anything less than that, then you're doing everybody a disservice. Exactly. And, you know, if you look up what it means to be a juror and reasonable doubt. And in Pennsylvania, they use like the marriage and divorce thing as a, um, 
way of explaining reasonable doubt. So that's not a good comparison because how many marriages end up in divorce? What about 60%? Yeah, I think it's so, even more than that now. Yeah. It's it's pretty high. Yeah. So why would you use that as a comparison? So I know when when uh Grable did his attorney or his closing at my trial, he basically compared it to if you're going to make like a so you're going to make like a big purchase on a car. You wouldn't spend that kind of money if you had reasonable doubt that it was not going to be a worth the money you were spending on it. And I think that's a little better example. Exactly. So I, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, it's, they need to use better situations to get the point across, but they don't do that. They won't update anything. And, um, you know, with technology being the way it is and jurors have access to all kinds of information, they can reply to police blogs on Facebook and, and other social media and stuff, they need to look at who these people are that are replying and, and they should not be selected as a juror. So anyone that's in a defense position or being accused of something, you want to go through those Facebook posts and you want to write down the names mm-hmm. of all those people replying saying you're guilty yep. and because it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. If they can't prove that, then... <laughs> Well, and the other thing, yeah. I'm sure I'll do at least another show on this specifically, but the yeah. jury nullification, because that's like the, you mentioned that anywhere around the courthouse and people lose their minds because, you know, oh, we can't have, you know, people just say, no, we're not going to send this guy to jail because maybe he sold somebody a bag of weed, you know. Right, but right. That's, that's the other thing. If the politicians don't want to get rid of some of the stupid laws, you can refuse to convict somebody too. That's right. 100% your choice. So um, using the Shepard case as an example, too, if, you, if you're a juror and you are not going to think about the CI committing those same crimes that they've accused somebody else of, like you want to ignore that with this confidential informant, but not ignore it for the person in the hot seat. So how is that okay? That's not okay. Yeah, it's, it has to come down to in terms of credibility, if the, especially if you have a defendant that has no priors or anything like that, and then you have someone who's an obvi- obviously a criminal, the same right. kind of person, you know, Rich Consiglio would be screaming if they're in a defense chair, you know, oh, they're a criminal and they need to go to jail and whatever. Exactly. But suddenly, because they're saying what the prosecution wants them to say, not to say it's even the truth, but they're saying what the prosecution wants them to say. Absolutely. Now they're credible. Like it, it doesn't right. make it, it doesn't make sense. So, like with the Matthew Markle case, and you know that Kevin was involved in or got drug into, it's like Matthew Markle guilty equals no jail time. Kevin Soner innocent equals years in a state prison. How does that math work out? How does those statistics that I just said? Makes sense. I can't make sense of it. And if anyone comes up with any answer to that, I mean, they are off their rocker. You well, know? and the other thing is, too, you have a, a constitutional right to have the law applied equally between exactly. everyone. So you could really make the argument that the whole CI thing is a violation of that, period. Because it is. Why does why does one person get favored to testify against somebody else? Right. You know, and it's not like, you know, it would be one thing if you were taking down a cartel or something, you know, that right. you could say, okay, well, we're going to bend the rules a little bit because this is for the benefit of society. I still wouldn't agree with that, but you could make that argument. 
Whereas with what they're doing here, there is no, there is no high, high and mighty argument of we're doing so much good because they're not. And you right. can prove that they're not. And I want people to think about too, when I mentioned about the confidential informant testifying at this preliminary hearing, he testified over the phone. You know why? Because he's in a state correctional facility. They would they can bring him there. They purposely did not bring him there because they they didn't want him there. They wanted to be able to coach him ahead of time without us knowing. And you know, he's given three different stories. The third story was when he testified at this preliminary hearing over the phone. And how is it okay for you not to face your accuser? So they brought him to all the other hearings before that were continued. So he was there, but sent back. And then all of a sudden he was no, he, they couldn't bring him there. He, they just didn't have the availability to get him there. They wanted him to testify over the phone because they know he's lying. We, we've known that they know that. And it's, it's, it's really a sad day when you allow somebody such as this confidential informant take somebody else down. You know, everybody has their share of problems. You know, um, maybe they've made mistakes and stuff like that. But I will honestly say that Kevin has put his life back together. He's working. He has his own place. He just bought or he bought a vehicle and everything. He spends time with his children. He's rebuilt relationships with his family. And boom, that's all taken away. Yeah. Well, and like like we've been saying the whole time, it's not about justice. It's no, it's, it's about payback and retribution. And no. you would think these people in positions of authority would have the ability to be bigger than that, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. But it, it's funny how it's almost like you're back in high school again. It, right. That's what it reminds me of. And yeah. it's, it's pathetic. Some, but the problem is, is now it's not that they're just going to say mean things to you or pick on you or something, you know, it's now they can destroy your whole life and turn yes. the whole community against you and send you to jail for the rest of your life if they want to. Yeah. And, you know, when this is all said and done and put behind us eventually, when that will be, who knows, but you know, they've lit a fire under me. I'm not going to stop until people realize how corrupt this confidential informant program is. I am going to help anybody out there that has been wrongfully accused. I'm going to help you with the resources to prove your innocence. And I'm going to do it out of the goodness of my heart because it's the right thing to do. And people want to call themselves Christians and, and portray that to everybody out in the community that they care about other people and, you know, they would do anything for other people because they're Christians. A real Christian will help people, especially people that are wrongfully accused and facing long prison sentences. And well, and that's the thing, too, speaking on the, the Christian part, you know, Jesus hung out with the sinners, Exactly. You know, that's right. So, and yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. And, you know, just like, um, I know two people right now that are in a state prison because they were wrongfully convicted and, um, the Troy Adams case and also Nicholas mm -hmm. Stitt, those two cases are just as bizarre. So it's not just Kevin, you know, having a string of bad luck. It's, 
this is completely corrupt across this entire county. And, and, you know, um, I hate to start on this now because it would be a different episode, but Operation Operation Our Town, they need investigated. Oh, yeah. Well, and I submitted that whole report to the AG's office, and yeah. I think Shapiro pretty much pigeonholed it because normally when you submit that type of complaint, I mean, it was a formal complaint I submitted yes. to him, you would hear something back at the very least of, sorry, we can't help you, or you need to go talk to this person or whatever. And right. I never heard a single word, not a single word back. And I sent that to a bunch of uh, basically every Pennsylvania rep and senator that I could find, state house, that I could find an email address for. Right. And I think I got a uh, maybe one, um, one, one or two replies back. I think one was from Bob Casey and one was from like some Rick Santorum group or something. Right. And they were basically like, well, sorry, we can't help you out. You know, I, I out know. of all those people. <laughs> so that's that's why, you know, big government isn't always the best because there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. And there and there's mostly certainly not enough politicians that care. No. They want your vote, but they, they don't give a damn. Yep. Once they get your vote and they're in, and just like, uh, oh, I could probably do a whole nother episode on Jim Gregory, but you know, <laughs> he never accomplished a whole hell of a lot. And now he's going to have a retirement because he got elected. Yeah. And really, I mean, I'm not a super big fan of Chris Creek this these days after the Webster thing, but right. at the same time, I know he would have been 100% better and he would have tried to help people out. Whereas, you know, Jim basically campaigned for 20 years on the radio and, you know, what has he really done? Right. So. Yeah, not everyone's a big fan. Now, I'm neutral where <laughs> he's concerned. Um, right. But, uh, I, you know, as far as the uh, campaign with Amy Webster, I, I don't have anything against Amy at all, um, personally. But I feel that she got elected because of the money spent on her campaign. I agree. And my issue, and I talked to some other people about this, it's like the problem isn't so much that they spent the money. It's that that money could have been used for so much better. Right. For their whole mission. Right. The people that were being taxed out of their homes. Yeah. Instead, it's doing billboards and commercials right, and crap right. around town. And it's like, you know, if if you have such, and but that's that's what's the shame of it is you have to have the money. Even if you have the best ideas in the world, that right. doesn't, you're probably not going to win on that if that's all you have. Exactly. You know? Yeah. People overlook the most important things. They, they just go by name recognition and that's pretty much it. And they plan and they knew that. I mean, that was a great strategy because they know how people in this area think. Yep. It's just name, you know, oh, yeah, I seen her name on a, sign somewhere so i'm gonna vote for her or him or well whatever. it's the same thing that's <laughs> been going on and i think that's why that group thought they were so you know oh we're so smart because it's the same strategy that's been used in the bigger elections right right and they they were nervous whenever i came into the <laughs> limelight for yeah i don't know what you want to say well, limelight i think they were whatever, they were trying but... to like recruit you to like their little cult too i think weren't they I think so in a way, <laughs> but I think they were afraid of me because they weren't sure how much uh, backing I had. Right. Because they had no idea who I was. And, and then, you know, some of these things that were being brought out about Amy Webster's campaign and some of the things that went on with her and, and anybody else 
uh, Bruce Erb or any of them, um, they they were worried that this was all coming from me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, um, no. So, but um, it, it kind of like, was it good information? Things that I didn't know myself. So if I didn't know, there's a lot of other people that probably didn't know some of these things that were going on with some of these potential candidates or uh, politicians too. So um, you got to get used to a smear campaign. Trust me, the last year I've been smeared for supporting my son and proving his innocence. I've been smeared so much. And this whole thing that went on with me, people I thought cared about me made the most awful remarks about me on Facebook. And then I kind of backed away from Facebook because of that, because I needed to do some soul searching about, do I really want to be on this platform anymore and associate with any of these people anymore? Yeah, it's it's funny how how quick, what, from what I've found anyway, and the things that I've been involved in, it seems like the pe- people will be your friends as long as you're useful to them. Exactly. And then as soon as you kind of run the course or maybe they'd have to back you and that would make them look bad, then they just, you know, right. they don't they do not do that anymore then. so There's a word for that too. It's called narcissism. Well, yeah, there's a lot of those around here. But. There's so many narcissists <laughs> in Blair County alone. Yeah, it's not even funny. Um, yeah, I appreciate this. This is a great thing, and I think it's already um, getting popular, and we're promoting your uh, podcast. Right. Well, an inter- interesting fun fact, too. Um, back when, before Troy Adams went to jail, this was one of the things he suggested I do. This was like two years ago, and I just, I don't know, wasn't, I think at that time I was so burned out from everything. I just kind of needed to take a break from it because it was like between the case and everything mm-hmm. and then happening and all the crap that come after that. And it was just like, sometimes you just got to unplug for a little bit and right. then get back to it. But the way I am, like you never, you can take a break from it, but it never ends. You know, it's all, you always go on with the fight. So. Right. I agree. I think just one last thing before we, cut it out here. Um, If you're a juror, you need to understand what reasonable doubt is. You need to not pick parts of the Constitution that you like. If you want to support the Constitution, you have to support the whole thing. Yep, I agree. It's unfortunately, I think it's going to take a very long time to kind of bring enough people along for it to make a difference. But I think, you know, every time you do a podcast or you, you post something or you go to an event or you, anything, I mean, you, you don't have to go out and run for office to make a difference. So I think that's what people need to realize. And you're going to make a lot more difference focusing on your community, not to say that, you know, the national stuff doesn't matter and there aren't things you can do with that, but you kind of got to like take care of your own house first. So if you, you're going to make more of it, have more of an impact in your own community. So exactly. I agree. I, I think that's a, a good message. So, you know, if somebody's out there, it's thinking of, you know, if you are thinking of running for office, well, you know, go for it. Yep. Um, if you want to start a podcast or, you know, post stuff on Facebook, do whatever, you know, yep. every, every little bit helps. So, all right. That's all we can do. So, 
yeah, thanks for uh, you guys being on here, and we'll have to do this again real soon. All right, great. Thanks.